rocky grounds What's left of the energy spent Keeping my feet nailed down But life abounds, light resounds In cathedrals and border towns And I love you, even now I love you, even now Dude, I got a bad habit I wanna tell you I'm sorry You and the other ones But somehow we don't keep it Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy, especially finding joy in the things that you love. It was recently May 4th, aka May the 4th be with you, and that might have been peak joy for me in this really strange, unusual time that we're all living through. Um, I was able to really enjoy some really positive things like friendships and fandom and those are some of my favorite things but I think I feel completely spoiled between the Clone Wars season finale, the Mandalorian docuseries kicking off, new Disney Plus content in general, and most of all some really awesome announcements. Um, We're getting our first person of color directing a feature film in Star Wars with Taika Waititi and a woman co-writer Christy Wilson-Kyrns. Leslie Headland is writing and directing a series for Disney Plus. And Robert Rodriguez is directing episodes of The Mandalorian, and that makes him the first Latinx director for Star Wars. I know this all sounds mega geeky, probably not even quite as interesting to you as talking about independent music and DIY and stuff, but like for me, these are huge steps in inclusivity in my favorite fandom. And each of these people have a brilliant history for opening doors and windows for other marginalized voices in the entertainment industry, all while just being gifted filmmakers and writers. I'm just so happy to see pop culture taking cues in the efforts of many across so many industries to not just like diversify, but empower creators of all backgrounds. So kudos to Lucasfilm in this time, and frankly, everyone who has influenced um, any diverse creativity in any industry. This kind of change helps empower creatives of all backgrounds to feel seen and have opportunities that I know so many could never imagine for themselves before. And frankly, whenever we see this stuff happen in Hollywood, sometimes that's a nod to the music industry or to people in technology or people in all kinds of different industries out there. 
And what it signals to me is our ideas and voices matter and we should continue to engage in content that makes us feel valued and like we have a place in it. So speaking of people who have really strong creative influences, my guest this week is the incredible Rosie Tucker. Rosie is a brilliant songwriter and performer who has really cemented their place as a top player in independent music. They've found creative, fun ways to really tell some of their most meaningful personal stories with releases like Never Not, Never Not, Never Not, and this year's single, Brand New Beast. Rosie joins us week to share how they approach songwriting, the meaning behind some of their most powerful songs, how they're doing during social distancing, how they like to engage in a meaningful way, and so much more. So with that, let's hear some more music by Rosie and then get into the so interview. So sick of swatting flies and you don't even eat them. It's a tepid compromise to treat as you'd be treated. We got twisted in that line, tongue-tied up and turned music of the indie rock persuasion things going uh things are going really good i'm having uh, better now better now that i'm here talking to you oh <laughs> that's yeah. so nice if anything i feel like uh these kind of connections and like talking to people right now are definitely making uh this whole global situation a lot easier <laughs> yeah definitely i am not someone who is particularly socially inclined to begin mm-hmm. with um and but now I am definitely feeling like wow, reaching out and making connections with people and and talking about art with them is um, is sustaining in the face <laughs> of um, some very hopeless times. Exactly, I feel the same way. I'm a little bit generally more on the introverted side, which sounds kind of nuts considering I have a podcast. <laughs> but like, if anything, uh, I feel like I'm gonna just be like the ultimate social butterfly when this is all over. <laughs> Yes. Well, I think it makes sense. I think introverts find structured, for me at least, I think it makes sense for introverts to find structured ways of socializing mm-hmm. around passions because then it's like so much easier to share and connect with people than when it's just a like, here we are at the party. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think you just described me perfectly, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. 
I love that. Um, wow. I'm really excited to get to know you here on this podcast and be able to talk about all the awesome things you do. Um, to kind of kick things off, tell me about how you kind of first fell in love with music and um, what kind of motivated you to start playing it. Um, I think I've loved music the whole time that I've been a person. Um, and I was lucky enough to have parents that did the typical um, affluent person thing of putting their kid in piano lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of instantly was making stuff up on my own. And I've had access to music education my whole life. So I've really gotten to um, nurture that passion. That's awesome that you had that to where you could learn how to play music and stuff. Um, Was piano something that you always ended up loving or did you find yourself kind of learning to play other instruments that grabbed more of your attention? I did not love the piano. Um, I did not love the piano. I think some people (laughs) can do amazing things with it. I am not one of them and never have been. Yeah. Um, but I, I was a band geek in middle school. I was a trombone player. Um, and in high school, I started playing the guitar. I think that I'm attracted to the toy aspect of it. So I think now I'm excited about electronic instruments and synthesizers. Not that I am particularly hyper proficient on any one instrument, but I think I just get very excited about um, learning how to make new noises. Yeah, it's interesting how many new pieces of like technology are out there now and the ways that I feel like uh, it's so accessible. A lot of people are learning to be able to just make new sounds that they couldn't before, but it's in ways that anybody can pick up and do too. Yes, I love that, especially with with like all of the beat makers online Mm -hmm. and everything. There's so many easily accessed instruments. And I really feel like music is only benefited by wider access to that. I feel like the more that music is something that is pleasurable and accessible to everybody, like the better it is for working musicians and the better it is for, you know, the industry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so awesome. And it's true. Yeah. The more variety of voices we have out there just making this stuff, I feel like just the more beautiful it gets. Definitely. Definitely. And then I think well, I think it sustains community. I think that um, it inspires innovation when, when more and more people have access to technology. I think that we, we have, a, bleh, anyway, um, I think that the more people who have access to a technology, the more likely we are going to find that brilliant person who was maybe initially overlooked, who has something really important to contribute to the art. For sure, for sure. That's, that's definitely the best part about, I feel like, at least independent music has been able to kind of democratize music for sure to where it does open up spaces and it does open up to where more people can discover they actually have this talent that they otherwise may not have known that they had. Definitely. And I think the, the pure expressive nature of that is so important because you don't have to be good at an instrument. You don't have to be technically proficient at an instrument to feel like you have something to say. Um, Yeah, I think it's very inspiring. For sure. Were there any artists that you feel like inspired you to keep practicing and really start to explore your own approach to songwriting? Yes, definitely. Um, And a songwriter who was really huge for me when I sort of got started writing songs as a woman named Anais Mitchell. 
And um, now she is more famous for having written a Broadway musical called Hades Town. Um, oh, okay. Yes, but before Hades Town was on Broadway, I mean, she's been working on that project for like 15 or 20 years or some wild <laughs> amount of time like that. Um, but she she also has a lot of stuff that is just her as an independent folk songwriter. And I think she's amazing. Um, yeah, she was really huge for me when I was a teen, I would say. That's so awesome. And it's great whenever you find an artist like that, that you can just latch on to and also see their growth as well. Yes, definitely. And I think, um, I think starting listening in the folk world where I am not so much these days and where my interest doesn't live as much these days, um, I think that there's a lot of attention paid to the craft of songwriting, which is like totally different than poetry. It's different than rap. It's different than spoken word, even though like all of those art forms um, relate to language and rhythm, they're completely different from each other. So I feel like I learned a lot about, about song and melody and those bare bones of how do you make something interesting when you are just trying to communicate something heartfelt from listening to folk music. Right. It's so interesting because I feel like some of those elements uh, live very comfortably in your sound and your style, which is amazing because I'm sure that influence is there, of course, for how you approach songwriting now. Well, thank you. I think so. I think uh, I don't ever I don't ever want to sacrifice any of the good stuff that I think is cool about a genre if I move somewhere else, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And how would you describe your sound? I feel like there's so much there and some of my favorite songs by you, I feel like play with so many different of what we refer to as genre, just like what, how your approach is and what kind of sounds you play with. Well, that's very nice of you to say. Um, I think that I, well, I've been making use of indie rock as a moniker just because I think there's a lot of pressure on artists to describe a genre or relate to a genre, but I also think that genre is almost like a like an anthropological classification. Like you can't really know what movement you are part of or what moment you are part of or why exactly you were reaching for particular sounds um, until after the fact. Mm -hmm. And you go, well, this is the instrument that was available and this is what was trendy in 2016. And <laughs> um, this is like what all of the queer kids were doing at that time. And like, you know, kind of circling smaller and smaller until you find something and call it genre. And there were these six people doing that. Um, but when I play live, I play with a rock band. Um, and the songs are have verses and choruses so i will refer to it as indie rock until somebody comes along and says something that i like better <laughs> <laughs> that's fair honestly and it gives you that kind of like broadness too to where it's like it suits anything that you put out there but there's so much more i feel like um genre such a weird thing still because it's like i don't want to pigeonhole anybody because they could do something completely different in the next song or the next release and it, it doesn't, it feels like you almost have to be boxed in as an artist whenever you do that. Yes, I think, I think it's useful if you are like in a, in maybe a business way, you're sort of like, I think that those people who like that artist would like me and what do they call themselves? But I definitely do feel like um, it can, it can be limiting and I think always has and I think it's okay. I think it's, I think that it's part of the job of the artist to be like, I am so uncomfortable with definition. And then it's part of the job of the 
um, the art lover and consumer to say, what is happening here and how do we describe <laughs> it? So they, they live in a, a nice tension with one another, I think. For sure. If anything, I feel like I end up layering a bunch of like genre sounding words to describe artists typically because I'm just kind of like, it's got a little bit of, and I feel like I sound like I'm scatting at some point because I'm trying to describe sounds. That's cool though. I can't, I feel like I am incapable of writing about music. Interesting. <laughs> I, and I, I think part of it is that, um, I, I feel like I sort of need music to remain very abstract in some mm. ways for me to not I don't know, get all nervous and freaked out. But um, yeah, I've tried, and I don't, I don't think I could review music. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't have it. Whatever it takes to do that. It's really hard, and I think at the end of the day, I just learn it's all about either knowing a bunch of adjectives or inventing adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I figured cool, out. <laughs> though, especially, I think something that's so cool about music journalism is when writers you can utilize like existing types of description like genre and stuff you have those tools but it's also like you have to move into metaphor very mm -hmm. quickly to make it make any kind of sense in an artistic way so I think that is both daunting but really cool definitely if anything I find myself typically describing stories or moods that I think are being conveyed by the artist or like what the artist kind of tells me and kind of like sewing that together into like it kind of sounds like that good feeling you get when you roll out of bed after a good sleep I don't know like sometimes it's sometimes it comes across like that sometimes I'm just kind of like there's just a lot of angst here and I'm here for it you know <laughs> yeah that's cool I think that talking about what what does the art do is like some of the most important conversation between the maker and the receiver that there is because it's like that's where that's where the actual human connection of art is because like no one sees me when I listen to the music and I go oh my god this reminds me of the first time that I ever had my heart broken and I was sitting in a park and it felt like this um it's not a direct human interaction, but it does touch us very, very deeply. So I think that's very cool. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, for somebody who doesn't write about music, you sure do describe it really great. <laughs> <laughs> that's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of kind of like these abstract concepts and kind of how you view music, um, you really do have, it seems like a really creative approach to songwriting. I'm kind of wondering what sort of things do you do to kind of get some inspiration going or how do you even approach songwriting? Um, that's a tough question because I think that I have to catch myself off guard a little bit. Hmm. I think that um, the more time in my life since starting in music school and since starting to write songs kind of seriously as a kid and feeling like, okay, this is an aspect of my identity as songwriter. I think that, um, anytime something crystallizes an aspect of your identity you can instantly start to feel doubt about it as well mm -hmm. um and so i think that songwriting for me has to be again and again coming to a place that is new and is not for anybody else and is playful and so i think that when i am having fun and when i am kind of engrossed in the puzzle of trying to express something and trying to obscure the pieces of myself that I have shame about and share the pieces of myself that maybe 
I don't have shame about that other people have shame about. I think that's what craft is, is just trying to, you know, reveal and hide different pieces of what you're trying to communicate. Um, and so when I can be alone and be engrossed in that is when I am happiest, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I do it because it makes me happy. And if it stopped making me happy, I think I would stop doing it. Um, yeah, I, like the stuff about artists having to be depressed or whatever is completely bullshit. I can't write when I'm, when I'm, you know, feeling low in my self-esteem. I got to feel good. That's really great to hear, honestly, because I think um, more people who are aspiring songwriters need to hear that. And also it's like, uh, it's neat that you're able to kind of like take moments that feel good or feel right and just kind of like use that energy toward creativity. That's really important. Definitely. And I, I think it sometimes surprises people because most of what I write about and most of what comes out during those times is not happy. Mm -hmm. But I think that um, having this space that feels safe that I have sort of built up for myself over time um, as a space for exploring those things that are, that are heavy or sorrowful or even just complicated um, or shameful or difficult um, is an important aspect of that. I also want to say that like for anyone who is interested in art and is dealing with the mental health stuff, like your art will never suffer because you get your mental health in order. Like figuring that shit out, figuring out your pills or figuring out your therapist, figuring that shit out can only be helpful to you and the people around you. It's never going to take away from your creativity. That's well said. And it's super crucial because I think being able to take care of yourself is the first step to really being able to unlock that creativity because um, kind of like what you were alluding to here at stuff, it's like you've built up that safe space to where maybe those darker moments won't hurt so much. And it's like, you can actually unpack them in a way that's both creative and healthy and may even provide a moment of closure because you're in a space to where you can properly confront it and address it. Yes, every yes, everything that you just said is exactly it. Yes, that's how I feel. That's so good. That's so good. Cause um, and I like that you kind of talked about how you can kind of like show and hide pieces of stories and moments with your music. And I, I love that the concealment part is fun for listeners who are kind of into like more of like the lyrical analysis and stuff, because you do that with a lot of imagery. Yes, that's that's what I aim for. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. That's exactly what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, to utilize language that is abstract to talk about things that are very concrete. But I think that there's a lot of um, refraction happening and things bouncing around. I don't think that there's usually ever a one-to-one -one, like, I had a breakup. I wrote a song about it. Like, even if I did, it's not just about that situation. It's about everything that fed into it. And I also think as an artist, um, it's very important to feel like, and I think maybe it's important for everyone, but I don't know. But I think for myself, it's very important to feel like there's an avenue in my life that is entirely my own narrative. I do not have to be fair. I do not have to... Um, make sure that I am treating the subject with the in a particular way that is going to be impacted by my other social relationships. I get to share empathy where I have it and I get to share bitterness where I have it and um, and I think that that haven from self-judgment 
can teach us a lot about our own natures. And I think that that is what enables us to be forgiving of other people if we ever are trying to get there. Absolutely. And I feel like your lyrical writing style and stuff allows you to do that. And it really creates a space to where your music comes across as universal. It's very image driven. And we can, as listeners, I feel like really understand what you're going through, but on your terms. And I feel that, especially with the news track, by the way, Brand New Beast. (laughs) That one is amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. It it feels, I feel like everybody wants to feel seen. And so I think like with the introvert discussion, I think that um, anybody who starts trading in metaphor or anything like that want, is uh, simultaneously dealing with the desire to be seen and also the desire to, you know, not be so examined. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah, especially with like this new song and stuff, I love that there's like this interesting reptile metaphor that you have kind of weaving throughout it and stuff and I feel like um, reptiles in general get this really weird rep with a lot of people (laughs) it's like you either love them or you're like have weird feelings about them and stuff and I feel like you took such a like concept that can be so um, hit or miss with people into something that's just 1000% endearing. (laughs) Wow cool Um, I was definitely a reptile kid yeah. I was really, oh, I got to plug my computer in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was very, very into frogs in particular, ah. um, which has been kind of reemerging in my life these days. But um, I was very, very obsessed with reptiles and amphibians. Um, I think especially reptile or especially amphibians just because um well, now I go, oh, that's queer. Um, <laughs> like the creature that is, you know, like suspending between two states and and moving back and forth between them and has these characteristics that belong not to this category and not to that category Mm. um but i think i think that brand new beast is a track that really almost makes explicit the um the viewer and the viewed and and that relationship i think what i was trying to express was um the feeling of living within a terrarium and the feeling of being over examined and feeling powerless in that sense but also trying to uh, somehow communicate that being in that position is often about ourselves as much as it is about whatever person we feel is controlling us. Um, Yeah. That's amazing. And I also like that there is by using like a reptile or an amphibian as kind of like the metaphor here. It's like that creature has so much control of identity and how it presents and everything. And what a great metaphor for like queer experience if you think about it because it's like you can control and change and be and do and I feel like that's a reassurance that a lot of people need and I just thought that was so incredible how you were able to kind of like just transform this into such a gorgeous track. Well thank you so much I mean uh, part of the help with that is having a really great band and a really great producer that um, helped me take these you know, stupid, funny poems that I make music to and and transform them into something that feels a little more full-fledged. That's so awesome. Um, Your music has really evolved, it feels like, in your time of when you started to the present, because you released Low Light, like, back in 2015, if I remember right. You have a record you dropped last year that is definitely a favorite, Um, all the way up to this new song. 
what are some things that you've kind of chosen to maybe like actively develop and grow in for your songwriting and style for writing music? Uh, that's a great question because it implies that I'm being deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that a lot of my development in terms of these arrangements relates to um, my comfort with the recording process. So like mm. with Low Light, it was sort of like, I just have all these songs. I want to document them in some way, um, almost in, a, in an archival feeling, just sort of imagining, well, no one is going to give a fuck about this, but I do because I put all the effort into write it. And then with the next album, it was like, okay, well, it seems like people care about guitar music a little bit. And I... Play, I was playing bass in bands and, you know, writing with an electric guitar and it was like, okay, I think it's time for me to do something that reflects that I'm in that environment. And so the next Never Not, Never Not, Never Not was decidedly, um, you know, full band. And then I think that this next record, I'm having so much fun um, playing around with production more and more. Mm -hmm. um, it will also be my second record with the producer Wolfie. Um, and she is, I think, very, very brilliant and very talented, kind of like, you know how painters can um, choose a color that you don't even notice that color and they are choosing colors to highlight different colors in the painting. Yeah. And um, there's so much more than just like, I put a red here. It's like, I put a red here and then I put some blue over here to draw your eye to that red. I feel like she's very capable of doing that with audio production. And so... I think that we are both just having a lot of fun um, experimenting with new sounds. That's so neat. And what a great opportunity because that's only going to allow more dimension in your music to shine. Not to say that there wasn't in this previous release because who there was, um, <laughs> but like taking it to the next level, my ears are just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's all about that, that fun exploratory stuff. I mean, even just recording, we are really narrowing in on finishing um, the next LP, but there were so many moments where we were recording it, me and Wolfie, and then um, playing guitar on it is Jess Callen, and then playing drums on it is Jessica Reed, and there were so many moments where one of us or three of us or all four of us were just like freaking out because we were excited, and I feel like I feel so fucking lucky that as a creative person I have gotten to bring other people who I like and love and trust and respect into that space of being of being at the root of the creating and that feeling of like I feel like I just discovered something like we just discovered a guitar part that makes this shit slap like that feeling is so amazing to experience alone and then the fact that I get to experience it with these people who I really genuinely enjoy is quite a gift sounds like it honestly because uh, I feel like that's some of the best part of songwriting is being able to kind of like unlock these new sounds that you haven't tried before. And to do that with great company just makes, I feel like that creative process just blossom in ways that otherwise wouldn't happen. Yes. Yes. And I think it took me a lot of time to, I think, develop the internal voice that was going to go, okay, I feel confident that when I bring other people in here, like, I'm not going to lose anything of myself, which was probably always the case, but it, there's a self-esteem aspect that says, okay, you know what, I'm ready for people to help me, mm -hmm. um, which is cool. It feels really good. That's so awesome. Well, it's so great to hear that you have stepped into that stage and really have the right people in your corner for sure. 
Yeah, I feel lucky. I think I I think that once you figure out um how to how to have a good time and how to be healthy in some ways with your life and with your art, you there's kind of no going back. Mm-hmm. Um it kind of expands the the range of what you're capable of experiencing in this really wild way where you go, yeah, I used to you know, be sad all the time, or I used to only work alone. And that had its ups and downs. And that was, you know, had its ways that it was good. But this new thing is just a whole other ball game. It's, it's really special. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. So because yeah, you've leveled up at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. That's so yeah. awesome. Um, So I do want to talk to you a little bit about never not never not never not gosh I just keep (laughs) saying it again and again because it's just so much fun (laughs) Um, tell me a little bit about what it was like for you to write this record and put it together this record came together over I guess a few years I'm looking around for the LP so I can stare at it um it came together over a couple of years and most of the writing here I want to get it so I can look at the track list yeah no problem okay I'm now holding the record um (laughs) which will help me to remember I have a terrible memory for what has and hasn't been recorded I'm I am not at all a spreadsheet brain like that that's Um, okay I've actually (laughs) had like a number of guests actually pull out their LPs and like look at the back and stare at the songs as we talk about them. It's so <laughs> That's what good. I'm doing. They're like, who wrote, who wrote, what did I call it? <laughs> um, so most of this record came together probably 2015, 2016, 2017, maybe 2016, 2017 in terms of writing. Um, and the story of this record was Wolfie and I recorded six songs and then I sent it to my friend Greg Katz, who is new professor music. Um, and he said, cool songs. I can put it out on new professor music. If you bring me four more songs and we can make it a full length. And so I went, Oh my God. And, um, I wrote four more songs and then we recorded the rest of them very quickly. So the first part was just recorded like on weekends or whenever we were free kind of leisurely. And then um, the last four songs were recorded with relative haste. Um, And this record was me and Wolfie and Jessica Reed on drums. And then my friend Anna Arbalis on guitar who also mixed the record. So I'm a huge fan of of just having like a small tight knit group and all of us kind of being in the creative soup together and doing as much as we can with ourselves. So um, like Wolfie recorded everything, did all the engineering, mm-hmm. um, Anna mixed everything, Jesse played all the drums. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's great that you had that, um, that team working closely with you and stuff to where you were able to get it. It sounds like exactly how you wanted. Um, and you explored some really great stuff sonically and lyrically throughout this record for sure. Um, I remember first hearing Bad Habit and just being mind blown by it because I have to say, I think the moment, like, I love the song from the start, but I think the moment where, like, I feel like the just like hook sunk in for me was when you kind of launch into that spoken word portion, you mention poetry and then the poetry just literally flies through the rest of the song and it's appropriate points. 
And I just thought that was just like, okay, yep, this is it. I'm sold. I am in love with this music. Um, and it's such a creative approach to just songwriting to me in general. I'm kind of curious what inspired some of that for this song for you? And like, how did you kind of play with it to give it the structure that it's got? Um, so Habit has kind of a distinct song lineage for me. First of all, thanks for saying very nice stuff. I'm glad that you like it. Um, so Habit, I was listening, I was literally physically listening to a song called Camberwell by a band called Number One Dads, which is like very slow. He kind of talk sings through it. Um, and I thought, well, I want to do a talk sing song. And then I went into my bedroom and I thought, well, I want to play around in five because I've never written a song in five before. Um, but I couldn't play it and make up words and sing them at the same time. So I had to record the loop of the guitars and like the chords to the song are very, very simple um, for that reason all the way through it's yeah it's just the same progression all the way through the rhythm never changes none of that ever changes um and i had been playing around with five for a few weeks just kind of to no avail and then something clicked and like the entire song came out all in one go um i think it's pretty angry i think that the choice of the of the short chorus and then these like uh spoken word pieces most of this is instinct. I'm really not, um, I'm not really a student of song form. I don't, I, I feel like I say what I need to, and then I get the fuck out of there because <laughs> I don't want to stay a second longer than I need to. And I feel like most of the time I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And so just whatever comes out, I put it down and then I tinker, but, um, yeah, it's pretty much all instinct. There's not a lot of forethought as to like, now I am going to go to the bridge. Um, <laughs> it's like, I need something else. It's boring. I need something else. Or more often than not, I get to a place where I go, I can't really think of anything else. The song is only a minute long. Like Brand New Beast is like a minute and a half, maybe. I'm like, I can't think of anything else. I guess it's done. And then I call it done. Well, that like natural instinct, letting that kind of guide you with your songwriting is huge because I feel like um, your direction with the way that that song in particular flows, the way the Bad Habit does, it's like, it feels as natural to me as a listener as it probably felt to you to just put this together. And um, it, I feel like because it is an angry song, at some point it kind of, I feel the emotional jerking that you're trying to kind of convey there. Yes. Where like one minute it's like you're soft, you're processing, and the next minute you're like, no, I'm angry. I'm I'm feeling this shit. And like, you know what? Um, you know what? I don't feel good. I woke up feeling bad, you know? And those yes. kind of like emotions and stuff are just as crucial. And I like that range and I like that it feels like lived in real emotions and the way that they can flow within a conversation because some moments you are going to be really fucking pissed and then some moments you're going to soften for a minute and let yourself kind of like live in that space and then you're going to be mad again and it's just I love that well that's really cool that you feel that way because that's definitely how I feel I definitely feel like I am a very emotional person and an emotive person and for a long time I felt a lot of um shame about that and and spend a lot of energy um trying to alter that fact very unsuccessfully <laughs> and so i think that um 
engaging in a way that is natural. Also, the other thing is it's like, this is independent music. There are not stadiums full of people who have an expectation that I'm going to show them how to dance. Like, there are no rules. So I might as well just do whatever happens, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like, you know, I think instead in independent music, there's more of that expectation of honesty and letting kind of your emotions guide you rather than the whole like, you know, just, I feel like general expectation that can happen in like mainstream music, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. That's so amazing. And I love that you bring that to your music for sure. It's just that natural energy, that natural kind of like emotional guidance that you have there. And um, I felt that was Shadow of a Doubt too. I know that was kind of a heavier song and a heavier subject matter for you too, of course. Um, just because it's like, I feel like there was this feeling of retreat, particularly whenever you talk about like being among the redwoods and stuff and kind of like that, um, that nature just impression that you kind of leave with that song. Um, what was it like for you to kind of write this song and put it together? Uh, Shadow of a Doubt, I wrote for like a song a week experiment type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shadow of a Doubt is one that came out in one go, totally the whole song was all together. And I didn't necessarily feel, I think that with my songs that are less, feel less playful to me I am more likely to instantly feel like oh my god no one wants to hear that nobody wants to hear me be serious like I don't (laughs) want to hear me be serious um so I think that right away I was like well like I have a song okay and then I showed it to some people and some kind people who gave me really nice feedback and said that they liked it and then I had the the self-esteem to um you know record it and share it with the world but I think that um that song is the most explicitly in my feeling about mental health and about like Mm -hmm. depression and about how those um, aspects of ourselves interfere with our personal relationships. How you can go, man, I really want this to work. I really want this relationship with this person to work, but I am really tied up with being a piece of shit right now. (laughs) Um, Or really tied up with, you know, like the stuff that is too heavy to deal with. so I think it was just kind of examining that and and was written in a moment where I felt more light or more hopeful and, and had a feeling of, yes, this is something that can be surmounted and the relationship can win um, ultimately. I think I think a lot of my songs are ultimately positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so for sure, especially like, I love how you opened the record with like, gay bar and stuff because that was such like a hopeful space like just a safe feeling song you know um I know that uh the subject of course is being like an actual gay bar and stuff and that kind of like sanctuary that you can find there um and I feel like that was definitely one of the more like hopeful loving just like um I can feel your love for that space and how much it means to you and so many others uh what was it like for you to kind of like just kind of do almost like a, a, a sonic love letter to something that means so much to you. Um, it was very, very easy. And I think it's as much a love letter to a bar as it was to um, the friend who I was out with mm-hmm. that night. I think that I kind of just set out to write something that was adoring and kind of funny. And we went to this like very funny gay cowboy bar in the San Fernando (laughs) Valley um 
that had like a big funny droopy foam cowboy hat hanging over the <laughs> dance floor um so I think that there is there is just a lot of sort of uh contentment and appreciation for for something that was maybe a little ramshackle definitely I love that so much and yeah I just think it for me it evokes instant memory of the friends I have and the spaces that I know where it is inclusive and people feel like they have that just space where they feel embraced and it's so amazing that you were able to kind of turn a song into that so that way whenever people who need to hear it when they're listening to the music they can picture their space where they feel loved and embraced or the people who make them feel loved and embraced you know well I would love that if people felt that way that's very very kind that's generous (laughs) definitely I feel that way anyhow um so I talked about a lot of songs that I really love on your record, but do you have any favorites of yours that like you just really love playing live now? Oh, good question. Um, playing live right now. I think my favorite song to play ri- live right now is the cover that is going to come out later in April. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jeffrey Lewis song, because um, my guitar player just does all of this like wild shit with her pedal board and and um I get to yell and I get to lay down and you know crawl around (laughs) on stage um in terms of songs I like to play live from the record I think probably Lauren Uh and and Pablo Neruda Mm -hmm. um yeah both of them I think are fun yeah, Lauren was another favorite for me too, just because it's like I could feel how much you appreciated the support of your friend, like throughout the lyrics of that song, and just uh, just felt another really loving song you have on that record for sure. <laughs> yeah, that song. I think that that song, even though um, like that was about my pal going through a mental health time and and like me being completely removed from contact with her, and. Um, I think that that is the only song on the record where sometimes I, even though like it's all good now and like I'm gonna go see her later today, um, like when I play it live, sometimes I'm like, oh my god, that time in my life where I couldn't see my friend Lauren for four months, and I like that's probably the only song where I go, okay, you gotta keep your shit together. You cannot cry on stage right now because <laughs> it just brings up a lot for me, and I just love that person so much. But it's very fun too to visit that feeling and. And um, when I'm going all around the country, I get to be out there playing and thinking about my pal. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's so special for sure. And especially knowing that like you have this closeness and stuff. I know it's probably hard to kind of like relive those kind of moments temporarily, at least the negative parts of it stuff, but it's such an expression of love too. So that's, that's an interesting line that you kind of have to balance there. Totally. Definitely. I mean, it, it helps that, um, yeah, it helps that I get to see her all the time and it's all good. Um, (laughs) So, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's so good. Um, I'm kind of curious, uh, more so on the lines with like, of course, your newer record and stuff, but what's something that you really want your listeners to get out of Never Not, Never Not? Oh, man, Um, that's a hard question. I feel like I write from this spot where I just don't expect anybody to listen. I think as self-defense, I have to think no one is going to care. Like no one's going (laughs) to care about this. And so it's totally okay for me to do whatever I want. Um, But I think that the most encouraging thing about putting this record out is how many people have 
gotten in touch with me just to say that they relate to it. I think that um, that certainly makes me feel less alone in the world. And um, with the new record too, I think, I think with all of the music, I think that all music is simply an act of um, a, a call into the void in some ways literal. Um, where it's just sort of like, is there anybody out there who is relating to this? Like, I'm sending out the first light. If you could blink back at me, that would be really cool. Um, <laughs> and I definitely have received that with this record. So my feeling is like, whatever people take away, if people are having takeaways, if they're listening at all, then I'm like really satisfied. That's so good to hear. And it's got to be special for you to get those blinks back from from so many people. I know that... Uh... A lot of folks this record has been very crucial to and stuff and like uh I was so thrilled when it got like album of the year for the alternative and stuff what was it like for you to kind of start to get that kind of like uh support it seems like from like independent journalism and stuff out there just recognizing your work and kind of helping spread it I think, uh, well, wild, and it hasn't stopped feeling wild. And every time I'm interacting with a stranger about my music, it uh, feels a little bit surreal, I think. And I, I kind of hope it always does. Um, the writing has been such a gift. Um, just, it just, it's, it's kind of staggering, I think, whenever somebody, whenever I read something, um, and I can tell that whoever is writing about it has really listened to this thing that I put all of this time in and is taking the time to digest it and um, reflect on what it means to them and how it relates to their experiences. So I think it, I just feel immense gratitude. Um, and I really, I don't care where any of this goes. Like, I feel so happy whenever I get to make music. I feel so happy whenever I get to record music. And then when people listen or they write about it, it, it just, it's all a gift. That's so great to hear. And I'm glad that you've had that experience for sure. Um, so what can you tell us about, I know that 2020 is kind of like up in the air right now, but what are, <laughs> what are some things that you're kind of working on that you're accomplishing this year? I know you mentioned earlier, you have a record that you're writing. So that's exciting. Yes. Yes. The record, I have a, a record recorded, um, and nearly done. We're going to comp some vocals today. We have a couple little engineering tasks to do, and then we'll get it mixed, and then we'll get it mastered, and then it will be ready for the world. Um, so that, I feel like I'm standing kind of at the edge of a whole new um, era because I'm going to be free of that record, and then I do not have any conception of what the next record will sound like. Um, and so I think I'm just looking forward to coming back to the blank slate and taking some time to um, really reflect. And I think now is a good time for reflection because I cannot be touring. Um, but yeah, I think 2020 is up in the air. And right now I feel really fortunate I, to be stable in a material way. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not working i'm just able to focus on my music right now and so i think that um just kind of figuring out how to engage with the world um while we are completely um 
rewriting the rules of what it is to live in America day by day. Um, I think that's enough work for now. And we'll see what comes next when it comes. Absolutely. Um, That's extremely well said. We're in a very much, I feel like, uncharted territory point of existence. And just taking the time to just kind of process your own art and just be within that space and figure out what's right for you right now and what will eventually connect with others is just going to be so crucial. Yeah, I think so. I think that whatever people need to do and in in terms of taking care of themselves, and I think that that can also involve organizing and activism and um, participating in protests or getting in touch with their council members. I think that all of those things are an aspect of self-care that um, is increasingly important as our agency is kind of uh, uh, blunted. Yeah. (laughs) No question. Yeah, it's been a, yeah, I feel like everybody's kind of starting to find their voices in ways that they can take care of themselves, not just in the sense of like, I think it's just as important, of course, to take care of like your physical mental health, but also standing up for like what the future of that will be for you, you know? Yes, definitely. So yeah, lots of high-minded thoughts, kind of pairing the high-minded thoughts and the 3 a.m. scrolling <laughs> through NPR headlines with them, watching a lot of movies and eating a lot of processed food. <laughs> An interesting time. It really is. I feel that. And that's... uh. That's a very similar existence for me, for t- sure, yeah. too. <laughs> we're all, we're all, I think, bonding collectively in like our uh, half-hearted scrolling and snacks. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I, I think that's good. I mean, I think that these types of conversations are, are what will build the roadmap for us going forward when we come out of this, which is cool. Definitely. I feel like that's kind of my bit of hope and kind of my anchor for sure is definitely talks like this <laughs> yeah totally um cool. so to kind of set kind of a uh, mental vision board for you here I always like to end my interviews with this question if you could play a show with any three um artists or bands they can be currently active or mm-hmm. bring them back from the dead mm-hmm. who would it be? I can bring them back from the dead yeah you can resurrect Actually- them for your show Okay, cool. And it's three? Yes. Oh, man. Okay. Um, Sybil Bear, I don't know if she is alive or not. She's very old, if she is still alive. Um, But Sybil Bear, the folk artist, she, like, had all these bedroom folk recordings that then got discovered when she was an old lady, and they are amazing. I think that her... Um, first language is German, but she sings in English, and I think that um, one of the results of that is sometimes when someone, I think, I think when someone is singing in a second language or writing in a second language, they're not necessarily familiar with all of the cliches, and Mm -hmm. so some of her phrasing is so interesting and so poetic and so beautiful and mind-blowing, so I would love to share a bill with Sybil Bear. Um, I get two more? Yes. Okay. Um, my two favorite artists, I would, this bill would be very intimidating. I don't know if I would even be able to go on unless I was playing first because I, (laughs) I just am not better than any of these people. Um, but Xenia Rubinos is 
amazing. She's so good at music. It's freaky. Um, I would be so honored to share a bill with her. And then Juana Molina, the electronic artist lady, um, is also a, a freak, a freak of musical talent. So I think <laughs> mostly I just want to be at a show that any of them is playing. And um, yeah, if I got to play some songs, then I would I would be terrified. Maybe I should pick people I don't like as much so that <laughs> I, I don't set the bar so high and then cry afterward. <laughs> I feel that. That's so neat, though. And I really like the way that you describe each of your selections. I'm definitely adding these to like a list of artists to check out for sure, because cool. I feel like uh, I feel like you've got great taste. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's very kind. I, I think you've got great taste, too. Oh, thanks. Um, it's been so much fun talking to you about your music and your interests and stuff. This has been so much fun. Um, where can everybody keep up with you and your music on the internet? Um, well, I've had a great time too. I'm on the internet. Uh, my handle is Lil Spoonerism. So on Twitter and Instagram, um, I'm at Lil Spoonerism. And then um, everything else is, uh, you can go to rosytuckermusic.com. You could just Google me. There are not that many Rosie Tuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining Rosie. It's been awesome talking to you and everybody, please be sure to check out their music support. It's amazing. You're going to have a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's been really great.
You just heard Rosie Tucker. Thank you so much, Rosie, for joining this week. Be sure to grab Never Not, Never Not, Never Not and stream Brand New Beast. Rosie is truly a songwriter to watch, and I seriously cannot wait to see what they do next. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion online. Find episodes, links, articles, and more at angrygirlmusic.com. Get in touch with me through email at angrygirlmusic at gmail.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at angrygirlmusic. If you're interested in being a guest on the pod, reach out and let's chat about what you're working on. Pledge your support for Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion on Patreon at patreon.com slash angrygirlmusic. Special thanks to our monthly patrons, Molly O'Malley, Kendra Mamula, Carly Commando, John Kitsy, Kitz Miller, and Sam Zarowitz. Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay angry, and the Force will be with you, always. Bye for now. I'm not going to be a little bit of 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 a little b